This week's episode is brought to you by Patchwork Seattle, our lovely little synth shop here in the Pacific Northwest. Please visit them at patchworks.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com to get your hands on some beautiful equipment from AI synthesis, recovery effects, mystic circuits, uh, schlappy engineering, make noise, after later audio. I mean, the list goes on and on. WMD, Qubit, Instro, um, 4MS. I mean, I, I could go all day, but I don't want to waste your time because you need to be spending that time visiting patchworks.com. And while you're there surfing the, the inner tubes, why don't you visit NeedhamWoodworks.com too? Because I know you've got that case that you built out of plywood, you know, that's just like a square, or maybe, maybe it's a rectangle. Let's call it a rectangle. Um, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Remember when you said that in like third grade and you'd say it all like high and mighty? Like, <laughs> did you know? Um, anyways, visit NeedhamWoodworks.com if you want an actual beautiful piece of artwork slash furniture slash functional piece of music gear uh, for your case. NeedhamWoodworks.com. Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week I bring you a conversation I had with Yao Evans. Yao has an amazing album out on Mystery Circles, so uh, it's called Memories of Now, so please head over to uh, mysterycircles.bandcamp.com to check that out. It's got like a, a really cool old school UK, um, well, you know what, I'm not going to give it away. We're going to talk about all of Yao's influences and... Um, yeah, we have a really great conversation. One quick audio uh, note. Here's the deal. This is my screw-up. What I do is I, I, I end up talking to a bunch of people at the same time about being a guest on the show. And part of what I talk to them about is uh, the whole, hey, can you record yourself because it sounds better and then you can send me the audio. Well, I forgot to mention that this time. And we hop on Zoom and I bring it up and yeah, I was like, what? And I'm like, okay, well, that's my bad. So we'll just use the Zoom audio. So it's not the highest audio quality but here's the deal i say this every time this happens and i know it's true even if you don't want to believe it why am i being confrontational about this it's because i'm insecure but i don't need to be insecure once you get into the conversation you forgot all about it because it's a great conversation okay neurotic rant out of the way okay one more mini neurotic rant um i'm pre-recording this uh by a few weeks uh, so if something crazy has happened in the in the world and I have not acknowledged it, it is not out of insensitivity, but it's because uh, it hasn't happened to me yet as as I'm recording this. Um, that should give you a what I just did right there. <laughs> should I mean if you've been listening to the show for the last three years, then you're probably well aware. But that right there should uh, right would give you a, a, a clear window into uh, my my neuroticism, the fact that I felt the need to do that. But also, that's kind of the world we live in right now, isn't it? And speaking of the world we live in, I feel like you you have to you have to learn to laugh at things. You know, I, I made a little rant uh, a little bit ago. I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before, just about you know family members and and friends and and the weird. Uh, the weird uh, misinformation, YouTube conspiracy shit that's happening. It's just very strange, very strange. And um, it's deeply sad, so much so that you have to laugh at the cosmic joke of it all. And I think I got a, a really great punchline delivered the other day from the old universe. Uh, my parents, who were, um, <laughs> who were unsure... Last I, I checked, it's been a while, I'm afraid to ask, about um, whether or not they're going to get the vaccine. They're both, um, you know, experiencing comorbidities and in their 60s. So, you know, prime candidates to die from coronavirus. But they're, uh, they're on the fence because they're not sure if the, how they feel about the science. Um, they get all their information from Fox News. But uh, so uh, none of I mean, none of that's really that funny. But this is funny. Because but you needed this backstory for this next part to be funny. Um, their friends, who uh, are crazy QAnon people, uh, they, they invited them to go on a trip to Florida. <laughs> so, so 
So my parents, who get all their information from Fox News, who are in their 60s and have comorbidities, uh, who are not vaccinated, are going to the hotbed of Florida for vacation with their QAnon pals. Now, I'm not laughing at the prospect of my parents dying. I'm laughing at the absurdity of that, these circumstances. There's nothing I could say. In fact, if I tried to talk them out of it, just that I know how they are, uh, it would probably convince them. They, it, would, it would make them want to go more. Um, so I'm not laughing at the fact that my parents uh, could get coronavirus in Florida and die. Um, that's not funny. But sometimes things are so deeply sad and disturbing that there is no other reaction than to laugh, um, you know. Or you could just dive into a deep, deep well of sorrow. Now, I know you may be thinking, Tim, this is very personal stuff to be sharing, or maybe it's not worth sharing. Um, and, you know, there's definitely a big part of me that, that wonders that. But there's a bigger part of me that feels like I want to just have this exist as a record of this time that we live in because um, I hope it gets a little less crazy someday and we can go, you know, and, and someday when the, when the data miners of the future go back and, and listen to all the weird obscure podcasts from a hundred years ago, uh, there's a, there's a real time account of what's going on. And all of this is to say, if you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. It's by far the best way to support the show other than being a regular listener, and uh, there's there's an occasional really cool um, bonuses. And uh, I'm, I'm open to your suggestion for bonuses. Say you're like, hey, I want to be a patron, but I, I'm not really into what you got to offer for bonuses. Well, then hit me up. Let's talk about it. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Also, thank you to everybody who's on the Discord. It's just growing. It grows daily, daily, more people. It's just, it's becoming quite the uh, the cool environment. Um, lots of cool people on there having cool conversations about all sorts of stuff. So if you are not part of the Discord yet, you can, uh, you can find that link on my Instagram link tree. Okay, sorry for getting so dark there for a little bit. Uh, I don't want to sour the episode for y'all. So before we get into this chat, what I want you to do is close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery, close your eyes for a minute and imagine a cute, a cute little anthropomorphic, slightly anthropomorphic um, baby panda bear dancing to this song that's playing right now. Okay, just close your eyes. Okay, I feel better, do you? Good. All right, we're going to get into a demo, and then we're going to get into our conversation with Yao. All right, we have discussed the Vertex Stereo VCA and the Parallax Stereo uh, Filter from Warren Electronics over the last few weeks. Why don't we use them together? Um, so first, I'm going to show you what the dry signal going into this filter sounds like before we get into the filter. I... Uh, I think it sounds kind of like a uh, like a running truck or something. Yeah, pretty cool sounding. This is coming from the uh, Ensemble Oscillator from 4MS. You know I like that oscillator a lot. It's really good with these warring stereo uh, devices because um, the A and B output. Uh, so yeah, let's bring up the filter. Now the filter is being uh, modulated by um, basically four tilts from after later audio their uh slope generators all kind of uh, doing their own thing separately not really timed to each other and then uh yeah i'll get into more of that later but let's just let's just listen to this for a second and i'm going to mess with the parameters on the uh ensemble pretty cool. I like that. 
Um, so of course now I'm passing the uh, the filter into the the vertex. Uh, I've just got it wide open, so basically nothing's happening. Um, but why don't we introduce some CV from um, from Maths Channel One, um, which is actually being triggered by the end of fall of uh, one of those tilts that I was talking about. So let me turn the 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 uh, CV uh, attenuator up and turn this gain down. Okay, so now that's what we have going through the, uh, the VCA. Um, of course, you remember I talked about this, this skew knob, so I can turn that to the left. There's the left channel of the parallax going into the, the vertex, and then there's the right. Pretty similar. Let's, let's make them a little different. Similar, but different. Now, let's take, I'm taking another uh, end of rise, uh, actually end of fall out of a, one of those after later audio tilts and triggering uh, Maths Channel 4. We're gonna use that Maths Channel 4 now to mess with the stereo aspect of the VCA. And everything sounds better with reverb. Gonna turn the frequency down a little bit on the filter. Now I'm going. Now, so I'm favoring the right side of the of the vertex, and uh, using the uh, the CV from the channel four maths to trigger to let in the uh, the left side. Let's reverse that. And let's add a little gain from the vertex. I'm just gonna mess with some of the parameters here on the parallax now. Changing the uh, the rise and fall times on the the maths channel one and four that are controlling the vertex. Anyways, I could sit here and mess with this all day, but uh, please check out warnelectronics.com to learn more about the Parallax and Vertex. These are both really, really fun, useful modules. Um, it's just, it's so cool to see a filter and a VCA be released um, and have fresh takes on such, you know, old classic uh, modules, such as a filter and a, a VCA. Right on. Well, I'm so excited to uh, to finally get to to chat with you. I've been listening to um, Memories of Now quite a bit lately. Um, awesome. You do you do very interesting stuff. That is, uh, I don't think you, I don't think you hear a lot of stuff like yours in the the modular world. So it's it's kind of a cool, refreshing, a um, little bit more upbeat and beat driven and everything. And I want to I want to get to that, but I just want to get to know you first. Like, mm. where'd you grow up? Yeah. So I'm uh, born and raised in London. Mm -hmm. uh, from South London, um, yeah, I'm kind of from a place that's known for the music that I make, kind of upbeat, mm -hmm. darker, broken beat, kind of garagey stuff. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I sound like I'm from my area. If that if that makes any <laughs> sense. <laughs> no, I, when I looked at your your bio, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, so, sounds like so, a like a cool, fresh take on stuff that I'd listen to maybe in the in like in the nineties, like it sounds like an updated mm. version of stuff that like 
the older kids, the older cool kids listened to when I was like, like in, us. in high school. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's wicked. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad it's it's resonating in that way because it's something that I wanted to achieve with modular from the start. It was like, okay, uh, this is what I want to do, but I want to do it with with modular. You know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I want to definitely talk about that journey. What was what was some of the stuff that got you as a? I mean, did music get you as a kid? When did you be, like want to become a musician? Um, wow. So that, that's a real journey in of itself. <laughs> I, I, so I grew up really quite poor. We didn't have, um, a TV for quite a long time, but what I did have was a Walkman that I could tune in to the radio. I'm going to show my age here, but I could tune <laughs> it into the radio. <laughs> and in London at the time, which was kind of, this was like the late nineties, early two thousands, the radio was just filled with pirate radio stations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have something equivalent in, in America, but these are like, um, yeah, illegal radio stations, basically. Uh-huh. Not really. We, I mean, not that I can think of. That wasn't something. I also grew up in kind of like the country, so we wouldn't have okay. that over there. <laughs> yeah, so London was just packed with people kind of setting up DIY radio stations. And if you wanted mm-hmm. to make a radio station that would only play house, you could, you could find that. Or if you wanted a radio station that only played jungle or drum and bass, you could find that. And it would be a place where you'd hear the most cutting edge, um, emerging talent, great MCs, great lyricists, great DJs. And the, these places would just foster talent. So mm-hmm. I had no idea I was kind of tuning into this, this kind of well of knowledge, this, this fountain of, of musical explosion that was just happening all around me. But I was just soaking it up. I didn't have a TV, so mm-hmm. it's just like that was my entertainment. So I would just listen and listen and listen and that just got me into music in a different way you know i just that had, the, so had cool. the bug mm. i love so the just idea listen. of you have you like stumbling upon it just out of like it's what you had so the, that you, you tuned in and then oh I, I like the way this sounds like it wasn't the older kid being like yo you have to check this out or this out like it was just like mm. i like those stories of like this natural gravitation to it and it sounds like from how you dated yourself with the the walkman and tuning into the radio that you might have been like kind of right in the middle of the the high watermark for that you know for that kind of music in in london like yeah that was kind of the episode yeah. right yeah, yeah, there was this, at, at the time, it was sort of the tail end of, of jungle music and drum and bass and the start of Garage, which mm-hmm. then turned into, into grime and then into dubstep. Mm-hmm. So I was just locking into all of these emerging genres, this big melting pot, and, and sort of scanning the radio. You go from hip-hop, maybe American hip-hop or UK hip-hop, to, to the genres that I just mentioned. So mm-hmm. it was like, uh, yeah, a real melting pot of influences and cultures and sounds that, that London still is today. But that's really what, what got me into it. And then um, after thinking, oh, my God, I, I just want to do this. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this, but I want to do this. <laughs> um, we did finally get get a TV and I got a PlayStation. And what I got was a game called Music 2000. Oh, my God. I re- it was basically a Do you remember doll. that? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, like a door. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I remember that. That was awesome. You could they had like samples <laughs> built into it and loops. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that was awesome. And you could go a little bit off the beaten track and start manipulating the samples, like mm-hmm. in a little piano roll. And I used to mm-hmm. I used to start making beats on that. <laughs> That's literally That's where so I started. Funny. I remember that in high school, it's like smoking weed and like just making silly loops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very, very similar. And there was uh, funny enough, a lot of music producers started off at least a lot a lot of people i've spoken to in it in the electronic music scene in london started off with music 2000 and um, you know i'm yeah. surprised that hasn't come up yet i've been doing the show for three years it's the first time <laughs> that's and the first time i've thought about it in years so thanks for bringing that up that's awesome yeah <laughs> google it and look at the artwork for the game that will take you straight back <laughs> that was a trip <laughs> Uh, that actually surprises. Maybe it's just because like GarageBand and stuff is just always on an, on MacBooks. But I'm surprised that's not something that's yeah. still on PlayStation or Xbox or. Um, yeah, you could see Switch having something like that, like for kids or something. But maybe uh, maybe you and I should go into business and make our own game. Like that. Okay, there's a gap there. There's a gap there. <laughs> Someone told me that they started making music on Mario Paint. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Was that like Super Nintendo? Or is that yeah, I think I was like, it might have been 64. 
but yeah it was another kind of music making part of the game uh-huh. yeah yeah my friends i never played that one but my friends would just make i don't know, imagine what 12 or 13 year old boys would draw on mario paint i don't think i have to paint that picture yeah. for you guys <laughs> brilliant brilliant <laughs> So, so you start making it there, like what's the, what's the next step, especially if, you know, you're saying you guys didn't have a whole lot of money, like music, mm. music gear is expensive. So yeah. like, what's the next step from, you know, music making on PlayStation? So, um, yeah, what happened around that time was almost every inner city kid wanted to be a DJ to mm-hmm. play this music and every other inner city kid wanted to be an MC to, to spit lyrics over it. So suddenly mm-hmm. all my friends, someone would get, you know, their grandma would buy them a set of Technic 1210s and then they were a DJ and spending all their pocket money on records. And then you go around there and have a little session and a go. And it started started like that. And then um, around that time, it's kind of when people started getting cheap computers and internet started getting into people's homes. Mm-hmm. And somehow or another, somebody gave me like a, a blank CD that had uh, Fruity Loops burnt to it. Oh, nice. And it was this cracked version of Fruity Loops mm-hmm. with no samples, just the stock factory stuff. I think it yeah. was like Fruity Loops 3 or something like that at that time. I think it's now called FL Studio. So, uh-huh. you know, they've changed the whole branding. But yeah, I got my hands on that and it was like, oh my God, I can now make music with a step sequencer and program, mm-hmm. program my beats. And, you know, I, I just went to town on this thing, just studied nice. it and I had yeah it sounds like you and i are probably the same age because i remember fruity loops being a thing and the first thing i ever really messed with outside of that playstation thing was i think it was called is it just acid was there something called acid that was similar uh, to that? yeah yeah i i never acid i never used it or something I, I remember it uh, this acid something yeah there was another yeah. door that was around here yeah i used that like my senior year in high school and, and just messed around with that thought that was fun because i i grew up pretty poor as well so it, like for me it was just like a 120 dollar guitar and that was like the most expensive thing that i i could mm, get it would just be like yeah clicking away <laughs> on that you know <laughs> just cherishing it yeah 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 totally <laughs> totally um okay so that that seems like a pretty pretty um I bet. I mean, how I'm wondering how much did the experience on the PlayStation game kind of have you hit the ground running with Fruity Loops? Yeah, it, it definitely gave me. It let me know kind of what I wanted to do. I, I knew that I wanted to make drums, and you know, I wanted to make bass, and I kind of figured out how to do that. I think Music 2000 made it easy for you, mm-hmm. and then Fruity Loops was like a little step up. It was a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, was, I was kind of steered in the right direction just by figuring things out and I mean there was no YouTube at the time so it was just like you're doing it on hard mode you know uh-huh. let me click here and see what happens <laughs> let me click there and see what happens so it, it was tough uh-huh, it definitely uh-huh. was hard god like I know it's so much easier now but I, I'm still nostalgic for those days when you had to hear about stuff and then you know like yeah oh so and so has a friend who could come over and show you this new <laughs> trick on Froody Loops and all of a sudden you're like, would just open up these whole new, like somebody, somebody showed me guitar tabs and how to read them. And then like, that just changed yeah. my life, you know? Like and your composition like, just goes up like <laughs> uh-huh, that straight away because uh-huh. someone's unlocked that door for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how it, how it used to be um, in that way, these sort of gatekeepers or secrets, that were like <laughs> urban, urban myth almost. Yeah, yeah, getting like mixed CDs. Oh, it sounds like those radio stations you were turning tuning into were kind of like the equivalent of like mixtapes and mis- mixed CDs that I'd get from. It was always the older kids, you know. It's like your your friend's older brother or sister or something that was too cool yeah. to hang out with you, but would kick you <laughs> kick you their old CDs or something sometimes. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds really familiar. We we started to get uh, uh get introduced to to kind of uh, music recording recordings from raves as well that started to to mm-hmm. come around on, on the scene at that time and they used to be called tape packs so mm-hmm. for instance there would be like a, a rave on a saturday night there'll be eight djs uh after the rave there'll be a tape pack and that tape pack would have eight separate tapes of each okay. different set That's and then awesome. when i started getting my hands on those i was like oh my god i need to make what they're playing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's when i really sort of locked into it um and went to music college Okay. So that was kind of the next step for me. I went to a music college and studied uh, music technology. 
which back in the day was, was probably pretty different to music technology <laughs> now. <laughs> but it was some focused learning and, and we, we moved on to Logic at that time. And mm-hmm. it was kind of focused learning on how to produce in Logic, how to record uh, vocalists, record drummers, record bassists. That was a big step up for me from going from you know my, mm-hmm. my bedroom and my crappy little PC on three loops. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's where I really got the bug and met loads of other musicians. And, and that really helped kind of drive me forward, you know, just find okay. a little community around me of like-minded people who wanted to make the same thing. We came from similar backgrounds and we just kind of shared our knowledge, got in studios together and, and yeah, plugged awesome. away. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like so much fun. I kind of wish I would have went that route. I, I, unfortunately, I thought I was like, well, music is not something I can actually do for a job. So I, I decided that I was going to be mature and go to real college. And then I picked anthropology. That's like, I can't <laughs> do shit with anthropology. Either, so. <laughs> Another niche. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> then I became an electrician. Like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> so were you, you're like, um, like a, like a recording engineer or like a mix engineer then that's like kind of what you were training to do or. Yeah, there, there was a bit of that. It, it was quite a, it was a foundation course. So it really touched on a little bit of everything. Okay, there was nice. um, audio engineering. There was just straight up songwriting. Um, and then there was um, quite a lot of, this is the theory of music. And you mm-hmm. know, let's mm-hmm. read sheet music. And then uh, just kind of like the sociology around music as well and how music impacted oh, nice impacted media and you know global events and changed culture so it was really quite broad that's so, i bet something like that now has a whole section on those pirate radio stations that you were talking yeah about. yeah i mean I'll, I'll send you some stuff after after the after the show maybe put some links yeah links for it. Definitely. there's some great documentaries on the impact of of pirate radio and then they're not too long either but they're really informative okay yeah that i think that my the only like memory of that i have is like the streets like mm. was it was, didn't they didn't he didn't mike skin like, on the streets yeah yeah like original pirate material or something like that yeah was that that's yeah that's like my my small town american like knowledge of that but yeah i want to check out some of these documentaries that sounds really cool yeah give a lot of context did you have an instrument then did you like pick up keys or something when you're doing the theory side or uh, the only access i had to had to keys uh was in college um so i did i did have a few lessons but but nothing to uh nothing to really let me hold my own by uh-huh. that point I, I managed to get a pair of uh pair of decks at 1210s technique 1210s okay. like i was okay. djing and collecting vinyl like a like a maniac uh-huh. <laughs> so i, I kind of learned djing as an instrument and beat matching and you know combining two records to make to make one groove mm-hmm. and that's that was something that i was doing alongside production um and then um, soon after after leaving college, I was actually I was actually made homeless. So mm-hmm. that put breaks on on uh, on my music for a couple of years. So I had a couple of years off while I was getting back on my feet. I had to mm-hmm. sell loads of loads of my stuff. I had to sell my decks, loads of my records, but kept my PC with with uh, fruity loops on it. Mm-hmm. And then got back onto that. And then um, yeah, a few years later, managed to to get back into into making music. And then went really heavy into making music in the door and loads of really intense plugins and falling down the trap of, I think, or what I would call a trap of kind of flicking through presets, not necessarily <laughs> yeah, yeah. making things original. I kind of lost a bit of the passion. And then I got into, um, I got on Instagram and saw people messing around with a Digitact, uh-huh. picked up a Digitact and was just like, oh, okay, this is fun again. This is yeah. really what I, what I want to do. That thing seems so deep. I had it. I had it for a little bit, and um, I'm just, I'm just such a creature of habit with my modular. I, I, I know that I'll be like better off if I interface other things like a Digitact or, uh, mm. you know, a Beatstep Pro or something with my modular. But there's something in my brain, and it's not a purist thing. I think it's a. I really think it's a laziness thing that just won't like. <laughs> I just won't do it. So I had this Digitact, and I never dove into it. And I knew how much power was sitting there, but I just never yeah. did. But I. I still fantasize about the day when I, when I change my mind and, and decide to really dive into it. But it's really good. It's really mm-hmm. good. I recommend it for sure, and I'm, I'm sure other people would have too. Um, but when you've got your workflow, I do understand it's quite hard to to break away from that. And yeah, yeah. 
since, you know, like I also, I feel like I'm just now starting to get modular and that was kind of a goal of mine. I wanted to, I want to understand this and be able to do stuff that I like with just this before, mm. I, you know, I was afraid that again, like a laziness would come in and I would lean too heavy on the external stuff, controlling it. And for mm. me, it was just kind of like when I did that, I was like, well, why am I using modular then? Because I, I never found that way to really make it work for me. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm positive. It's all laziness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I can, I can understand that approach because I've often thought to myself, how am I just scratching the surface of modular? Mm -hmm. Because the way, way I compose a lot is the Digitax will, will be the starting point and then the modular instrument and the modules kind of complement what mm -hmm. I've written on the mm -hmm. Digitax. Whereas it'd be yeah. quite interesting to do it the other way around, you know, and see, see how I could fit the Digitax into the modular composition. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm now I'm just on samples, so. I'm kind oh, okay, of doing cool. the same thing. Like I, I've got, you know, three samplers in my rack now, so I don't even have a VCO. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I'm kind of going, yeah, I'm kind of going hard in the paint there. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So you get a Digitact and so are you kind of just using the Digitact and the DAW kind of like? like yeah. When I, yeah. I think when I got the, yeah, there was no overbridge when I got the Digitact, which is like Electron's answer to multi-tracking out. So I was just literally making making stuff on the Digitax and then recording left and right into my door and uh, trying to then make make a full song out of it. And then I was kind of just digging around on on the hashtag on on Instagram and I came across Patchnode, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a reposting reposting site on on mm -hmm. Instagram and saw all the all these people messing with with these weird wires and flashing lights. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? It sounds really good, but what is it? Like, I don't uh -huh. understand it. And um, Craig, the guy at Patch Note, was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll explain to you what it is. And man, the rest is history. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's how it goes, right? We see those wires and those blinking lights, and we're like, oh, I want it. I want, I want it on that. <laughs> like a moth to a flame. I was literally drawn in. And, oh, mate, it's... Yeah, it's been a beautiful journey, but wow, has it escalated uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so when when did you first get into modular then? Uh, it's about eighteen months ago. Okay, all right. Yeah. So okay, that, and you've already got an album out. That's awesome. I just put in the order for the for the next seven U case. So going fourteen U. Eighteen yeah. months ago, I said eighty four HP was was the limit. I don't need any more than that. Dude, I was the same way. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like. 6U84 is the biggest I'll go. And now I've yeah, I've got way more than that. It's it's ridiculous. Um, I feel like everybody says that too. I ha I had some students over the summer and one of my students was he was he's really good. Um his last name is Evans as well. Hey Max. Um and he had just this little tiny setup. And I was like, you know, mm -hmm. if you just got something a little bigger and got this and that, you'd be in. and he's like, No, I really want to make this work. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, he's got a seven. I told you, dude. I, I told you. I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious about uh, like how you use modular then, because one thing I mm. noticed about um, about your your record and what I really like about it and what I generally really like about a lot of the stuff that Mystery Circles puts out um, is and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way towards like what I like would describe as modular music, but it doesn't sound mm. like just modular because a lot of modular music is the random and kind of generative and kind of bleepy and bloopy, but yours has like, I mean, the beats are awesome for one. And it's, it seems like they're constructed. Like if you showed me that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like, Oh, this is modular music. In fact, I'm like mm. more impressed that it is made with modular. So like, how do you interface those? And like what I'm curious, like what types of modules you're really leaning on right now? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think on the record, the, the approach was really the Digitax gave, gave a lot of structure. Um, mm. And I was using things that, were really kind of complete voices in their mm -hmm. own right and okay. they would usually be a bait make up the baseline or the lead element um so uh platts features quite heavily in mm -hmm. there also uh the schweimann vm1s is is kind of holding down a lot of the sub bases um in in the, in the record as well and then uh some wmd drum modules and fracture um and uh crater 
their drum modules are just amazing. I, I'm blown yeah. away by those things. The, the, the so range powerful. of sound that you can get out of them and how real they can sound. Like I, the first time I heard a Cursible, or is it, is it cru- Crucible? I thought Crucible, it was, yeah. I thought somebody had a, like a really nice ride sample, but it was just oh, brilliant. Really, yeah. Brilliant. And then you add CV manipulation to that as well. And it just, you get these weird kind of in-between pitches mm-hmm. on, on percussion that you just wouldn't normally get. Um, so yeah, that features quite a bit. And then i got the Morph, Oh, yeah, the morphogy as well, mm-hmm. and making kind of weird loops and ambient pieces to then just throw really heavy, dirty beats on on the top. Uh-huh. It was, it was uh-huh. definitely a theme of the records. Though it's like yeah. you've got these modular washes and like sound beds, but then I'm just going heavy with the beats. That's kind of what I've been doing lately. I'm a morphogene as well, and I kind of use it. I I use it almost in the same exact way with every patch that I use it in. Um, mm. But just you feed it such different things and. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's just an instant ambient machine. It's it's amazing. I absolutely love that. It's sort of one of those moments where I, I was like, oh man, it's, it's quite expensive, or at least by my standards, it's quite expensive. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm in an R in, finally get it, put it in there. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I'm doing modular. This yeah. is why, yeah. this makes sense now. Yeah, that, I, I got the R-bar, the Instro R-bar as well. Oh, and cool. Those cool. two, like feeding this, like I'll use the the 4MS uh, STS, the sampler, and kind of feed the same sample into Morphogene and Instro and have them kind of like go in between them because they, they're they similar. Yeah. I would say they're similar in like feel, but they're completely different modules. But it's mm. like another way to just instantly get totally fucked up, like ambient stuff. Like interesting stuff yeah yeah i'm like planting the seed sorry yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the, the flashing lights on our bar have been yeah. calling me for a while those leds are really nice uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it just like it just like begs you to buy it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh what else was there i think uh Q-Pass. yeah Q-Pass oh, was, yeah. Uh, okay. was really um I, I love that filter so so much and paired mm-hmm. with morphogene i was just getting crazy results really yeah. crazy results um so yeah they, they were kind of the modules that made up the record okay right on and has that changed since sounds like you're getting a uh, case or... yeah um what's come recently i've got the metropolis um mm-hmm. which is the, the update to the metropolis um mm-hmm. i've had that for about a week and and that thing's blown my mind that is like it it's so good it feels like cheating uh, really? kind of sitting back like, hang on, hang on. It shouldn't be this easy to make great melodies. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's just spitting them out and it's got really cool parameters that you can keep generating. So it's it's kind of like random in the way that I like random, where it's still musical. You can still uh-huh. constrain it to a scale. Um, mm. But it's not quite just like a straight up quantizer because you've got all these faders and switches that you can perform with as well. So you're kind of pulling things in in pulling things out and it's all in a, a scale but it's okay interesting um yeah, so that's been really, really that cool intelligel is such a like powerhouse too so like anything they make i'm i'm confident it's good even without playing it um brands you can trust right yeah right <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i'm i'm also curious how you got hooked up with um mystery circles because that like I feel like mystery circles just came out of nowhere as far as like, for me, like all of a sudden there was mystery mm-hmm. circles and there's all these, you know, had all these records and they were all really yeah. good. And it like, I love finding a, a label that I just trust, uh, um, you know, who, the person who runs it as like a curator, like I know I'm going to yeah. like what they put out. Um, so yeah. How did, how did that, how did you get hooked up with them? Um, so I was just kind of putting out videos on Instagram of uh, like, 30 second or minute long long jams with, with my Digitax, my small modular rig. And um, yeah, they just just reached out to me. Like, oh, nice. I like what you're up to. Um, would you be interested in doing something? And they're the first first people to do that. So I was just like, yeah, definitely. I, I love a bit like you as I'm listening to the artists on, on your label and they're such a great quality. Uh, I love everything that's on there. I'm so happy to be involved. Yeah. So it was really awesome. organic. Uh-huh. Happened totally that, naturally. Cause... I've heard like, and then I, I talked to, um, you know, fossilize me and, mm. and I just loved like to hear both of your stories, how you got hooked up with this label. It sounds like it's kind of like the old school way, like, like miss, like, uh, um, 
fossilized me like submitted a demo and that worked and that just doesn't work anymore like you know no. like everybody just like puts their friends on their labels it seems like these days so it sounds yeah. like this is like kind of an old school as far as like uh philosophy of how to acquire uh artists and stuff it's really cool i gotta get them on the show definitely yeah you, sh you should have a chat with david he's he's a great a and r guy like he's got a really good ear and, and the artist that he's, he's curated it and the music the, the back mm -hmm. catalog if, if anyone listening hasn't checked it out they really should um i'm curious about your live like i know like during covid that's not really a thing so you you know you started mm -hmm. you started modular 18 months ago so you've been mostly doing it in like lockdown so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> had, had you had much time to do live performance before that i did one live performance my first live performance about two weeks before lockdown started in England. So um, that, that was it. I had one live experience and it was, yeah, back to, back to the bedroom. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been waiting to get out since. <laughs> I know, that's heartbreaking. Um, I mean, I assume that you did a lot of live gigging when you were, when you were doing DJ stuff, though. Yeah, so that, that kind of definitely gave me the confidence, I'd say, yeah. for, for that first gig. I felt like, okay, I, I kind of know what a dance floor is going to react to um but in retrospect i approached it a little bit too rigid i think i played it a little bit too safe okay. you know, i kind of had quite a lot prepared and i mm -hmm. should have probably had a bit more fun with it and left it a bit loose and you know if, if you if you fall flat on your face you fall flat on your face sort of thing yeah so yeah. what you know what's the worst that can happen uh -huh. i think that's the way i'd go into my next next performance obviously not looking to fail but you know right. having a bit more fun yeah, yeah. That's I think that's really important. I've talked about this a lot with with people on the show and just in, you know, in in regular conversation. So many people and myself included, you know, if you're if you are too rigid like a, sometimes you you get up there and you start playing and and you're just like you're like almost going through a checklist or something. And yeah. and you're not in the moment and you look back and you're like, oh, well, it wasn't as good as the time I practiced. And it's because you were trying to make it just like the time you practiced before. And exactly. You just kind of like, I, I, I write myself notes and I just write like, take your time, have fun. And I like, I, that's how bad I am at it. I have to give myself a sticky note, you know? It's <laughs> a good idea. I think I might, I might uh, steal that from you. <laughs> Keep me on so, track. I like. I mean, I guess having that mu that much time to to reflect on on your first and only live set uh, <laughs> with modular uh, that could be a blessing and a curse. But is that something that you've been wor working on during quarantine, or or have you been more working on like studio style approach? Um, a little bit of both. Um, so I, I went kind of heavy into into the studio writing, which has been which has been really uh, really rewarding actually to mm -hmm. to kind of draw a line under things and like, okay, that's a finished piece of music. So I think I was uh, falling into the trap and never finishing anything because it was never good enough. Kind of that, uh -huh, that sort uh -huh. of thing was was really um, becoming becoming a thing. So I'm glad that I feel like I've broken that. But with live, I really, it's kind of part of the reason why I've got the second case. I want to kind of get a set of precision adders, a set of uh, switch multiples, kind of take the Stevio approach and just have things a bit more loose mm -hmm. in across the two cases and that will hopefully be be my live setup so i'm still figuring things out but okay. yeah that's that's the that's the motive right now trying to build a live a live set of cases that I can go hit the road with take the show on the road yeah yeah it's nice to have like i've been doing a lot of remote performances um over quarantine so i got like a battery and i'll go out and like video and, and mm. play like a little performance out in the woods or something and it's been awesome. really cool to have like my case that's just for that. And I have like my bigger like 15U wooden case for the studio. And I can interface right. that easily with my battery powered one. But if I wanted to go like right after this chat, I could run down to the beach, you know, and I do that really quick. Um, and it's oh, nice just to have something like ready to go. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I, just, I had another question for you and then I started talking about myself and lost track of it. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you, like, how, what kind of battery do you use to, to power, um, power a rig like that? It is, oh, where is it? It's in my, it's called a Max Oak. It's a USB battery. It's like the size of a, like a pretty big hardcover book. And it comes okay. with all these different adapters that kind of can just plug into whatever um, type of uh, 
you know, input. So for my make noise case, I don't even need, I don't even need the power cable that came with it. It just plugs right into the one that came. Oh, with the, sweet. Mm -hmm. sweet. It's pretty awesome. And it, it lasts about four hours. I'm okay. So you case can, for about four. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I need to look into that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, there, there's, if you want to do a smaller case, they have, um, let's see, there's this thing called the poly end anywhere, which is actually like a little module, um, that oh, this sorry. is a USB input and you can plug that into, um, just like a, a standard, like USB battery that you'd use to recharge your phone while camping or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But this, this, this doesn't power a whole lot of digital modules it's a pretty small setup that you can get away with this so that's why i got the bigger the bigger max oak so yeah lately i've been you know playing with a battery more than i'm plugged into the wall it's that's awesome fun. i love that idea of taking taking like heavy electronics into nature you know uh -huh. like yeah. that juxtaposition of this is <laughs> definitely electronic and this is all nature <laughs> right yeah i gotta i gotta show you this i i was using um before i got the bigger battery i was using uh, my my IntelliGel for you. Um, mm. And so many people would stop to ask questions that I had to <laughs> put this, this machine, this machine perplexes people. I, I, I put a sticker on it that says that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. How do, how do you even start explaining that to, to a civilian? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. Like my, so I actually have a video that I did in, um, in Wyoming in front of the, uh, the Teton mountains. So we're like really in the middle of nowhere. Um, mm. there's, I mean, it's probably the only modular setup in Wyoming at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's really funny. Cause in the video, right at the beginning, you can hear my wife is like kind of running the camera for me and you can hear this guy like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, it's a, it's like his modular synthesizer. And he's like, Oh, so it's like, she's like, it makes music. And he's like, also, oh, it's like a science experiment. Like there's just no explain. Like, it's like, do you have an hour? Cause whatever you, whatever you know about music is going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard leap to get, yeah. to get there. <laughs> Someone once said to me, uh, it looks like you work in a telephone exchange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Just plugging in this cables into this huge thing. It's like, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Do you ever like? It's funny because like you, I'm just so used to it now. I'm sure you are too. Like you just you kind of don't even think about it. But every once in a while, it kind of dawns on me again. Like if you don't know what this is, it probably looks so incredibly complicated. Like yeah. It, it can be complicated, but it's not as much as it looks like it is, you know? Like, no, I, I say that to people. Like, it's quite simple when, mm -hmm. you, when you get your head around it, but they sort of, uh, some friends have shown up at my house and sort of looked at me like, you're in trouble. Like, what's going on <laughs> over there? Like, this, what are all these wires? Like, what, what, is, what are you doing? <laughs> like, no, 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 it's an instrument and it's, it's quite simple, I promise you. <laughs> they all leave and they're like, oh man, should we, should we set up an intervention or should we talk yeah. to them? <laughs> Is that a bomb or something he's making? Like, <laughs> oh, have you flown with it? No, no. That's, That's weird. That's got to be an experience <laughs> getting yeah, to customs. I thought, yeah, I thought a lot of people would, I thought, I thought I would get like maybe pulled aside and they'd want to look at it, but everybody's just like, so you're a DJ. Like everybody in the uh, airport that sees okay. it, that's in line with you, and you're like, "Yep, like, yeah, I'll go with that." I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny. Well, speaking of your your live and your studio, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like what what changes in your approach? Like, if 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 you were gonna sit down today and either try to make a track versus making a a live set, how different mm. would that be? I think I would really uh, double down on live looping. I think that would be be my main approach to putting some thought into how I can transition from one track to another. Kind of do the mm -hmm. tension and release build-ups that you usually mm -hmm. get in DJ sets. Um, and I haven't put this in practice, so I don't know if this is actually going to work, but I was thinking only live looping while you're in the loop, queue up the, the new element on the modular or on the Digitact and then loop back in to sort of recorded to live, uh -huh. recorded to live and just go back and forth like that. Um, so that's kind of what I've got in my head. Uh-huh. That actually sounds like a really good way to do it. I think you could do it. Because it's that's yeah. the hardest thing. Like you mentioned, like getting enough variation. I think you used that word. Like that's mm. getting, you know, something where 
you can make a set breathe, I feel like is the absolute hardest thing to do with modular is making it entertaining for an extended period of time. Yeah, yeah, I have I've thought thought a lot about that, and also the kind of the few minutes where you're building up where it might not be that great, but then mm. you get to like. 10 minutes of, of modular where it's awesome but you've got to kind of build the patch and you know turn the knobs maybe and, and build up to that piece it'd be quite nice to have some live looping to to let that happen but maybe not let the audience hear the full extent of you building mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what i've been thinking mm-hmm. or maybe just go full and evolving over time and it's just kind of one piece that just keeps moving and moving and moving um so yeah they're the kind of ideas i'm playing around with yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that. I feel like I'm always kind of, um, I've, I've gone for the latter. I, at, at first I was, I was always building basically two, two separate patches within my system to go from okay. one to the next and then try to blend the two. But I don't think I ever got really good at that. I think I got mm. better at the, the evolving thing, but I like this idea that you, so if you're, if you're doing the, the live looping thing, are you going to like have like some cue headphones then to like, to like, I was thinking about using the Octatrack. So okay. I think this is this is where the Octatrack would come into it. Um, but I'm a little bit worried about giving myself too much to do. So I need to <laughs> need to strike the balance of like yeah. I only have two hands. <laughs> Can I move the fader, push the button, you know, put in the patch cable? Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's quite a lot going on. So um yeah, I'll let you know how I get on with this. I haven't got it figured out yet. Well, yeah, I look forward to it. Have you have you done any live streams or anything with any of the synth societies or um, I did no. I, I did one live um, show for a radio um, station here called uh, Run Them Radio. Um, okay. So I did I did a fifteen minute live live set there, which was which was awesome. I did one kind of evolving evolving piece. I just wrote one track and then just kind of let it let it move around, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and that that was about fifteen minutes. I want to try and build up to half an hour, and then you know, yeah, that's, get to an hour. That's a, yeah, that's that's a lot. I feel like I can. Mm. I feel like I'd have to do like at least like two my two my two cases like my four U and my my seven U and like okay. okay thirty minutes is here and then but um, give yourself the reach yet. to yeah to move yeah. between yeah um I also just got this this base so oh that was I beautiful do, oh I love it so much um so yeah I'm 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 trying to I just did my first like recording out in the um out in the wild with it for for nice. the show and it was pretty it worked out pretty well so i'm i'm hoping that i can cuz my when i have like this this sample based thing that i have mm. i i just i'm missing low end and who wants to listen to a set with no low end you know like yeah you got to yeah, have bass awesome. so i was like i'll just i'll play some tasty bass riffs over it so you're going to play in record live into the sampler um, well, no, I'm just going to play along with samples. So I've been making like drum beats and, um, you know, like just different like pads or, or, or synth lines that I'm sampling. Um, and then I'm just, I just actually just direct lined in from my bass into a different channel on my field recorder and just have my bass nice. as a separate channel and just playing. And so, just jam out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. I it love actually that. worked pretty well. So I'm excited to kind of push this and maybe start running it through some effects in the modular, um, but, Very cool, yeah. but who knows? It seems I feel like I'm always changing things up in that way. I'm not getting good at any of them, but it's yeah, fun. There's so. some beauty in that. Yeah, there, <laughs> yeah, there's some fun in that, and there's some beauty in it being constantly checking. Kind of, that's like the challenge, right? To keep mm-hmm. having having swapping things out, and bringing things in, and relearning. Yeah, yeah. I think that journey is is you know it's that's part of what I get out of. Like I think what I get most out of being a musician is that enthusiasm of wanting to try something new and chasing de- mm. chasing that perfect setup or tone or whatever. And, and I've realized, you know, after doing that for years that I'm glad I haven't found it because mm. it just means you're done, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And there's something, some of the best moments thinking back I've had with, with uh, uh, modular is like when I've got a new module, I've just sat down, I haven't read the manual. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what this thing does. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, this is gold. This is uh-huh. amazing. You're not uh-huh. even sure how you did it. But yeah. that learning <laughs> is, you know, you, you have nothing. It's just pure ignorance. and You're just kind of there just yeah. figuring it out. 
Is that how you get to right. know modules? Because I don't look at the manual for sometimes like a month until yeah, I get that, to a point where I need to learn it. Exactly, exactly. I, I love that. I, I've had such good results not really knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm scared to read the manual first now. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm with data bender. Like I haven't looked into how it works really at all. And I know it's really complicated and can do a lot, but what I can do with it just out of the box, I've very much enjoyed. So. I love how that thing sounds. Every example I hear of it just sounds awesome, man. Yeah. Qubit does some pretty, there's just so many great module manufacturers out there right now. Um, mm. I'm curious, we're kind of, we're kind of rolling in on an hour here, but we got a few more minutes. Um, and, and you know, just kind of after getting this whole conversation and your background into how you, how you work now, it's kind of made me wonder how much of your like DJ philosophy have you brought into your modular approach, or conversely, like how much has your like producer's brain been rewired because of modular? I imagine it's kind of like a weird mm. interplaying of the two. Yeah, it, it does feel like that kind of push and pull between okay, how is a crowd going to react to this? Mm -hmm. To, oh, I'm just really enjoying listening again. It's almost like I go back to kind of the Walkman and, and the radio. Uh -huh. um, and I've found that like, the morphogene has really taken me back on that path, you know, where you're just mm -hmm. listening to a loop and you're slowing it down and speeding it up and CVing it. And, you know, I can get lost for hours in that. And mm -hmm. then suddenly like okay yeah but how would a crowd react to this maybe you should put some beats to this now <laughs> <laughs> so i do kind of kind of move between the two actually uh-huh that's funny to hear that like it's something i hadn't really thought about but that makes a lot of sense coming from a if you're building a dj set the sounds like maybe one of the first things that you think about is the crowd you know because like if you, you mm. your your job as a dj is to get them dancing or moving around you know like yeah and that's just not really the case typically in modular music you know there's especially mm. here in seattle there's a lot of just kind of standing around and you know swaying we're, we're notorious notoriously famous for not dancing here in seattle for some reason oh we've got to change um, that we've got to yeah. change that <laughs> <laughs> um so that's it's funny to hear that that is still like um something that you think about when you're designing a, a live modular mm. set still yeah I, i'm definitely i'm always thinking about a low end and and percussion um, mm -hmm. but I, I really enjoy kind of the, the complex sounds that you get from modular and, and you know, keep harping on about the morphogy, but the, the great loops that you can make and mm -hmm. textures and just, you know, things that you just don't find in the normal music production world. Um, and there's so much forward thinking and innovation in, in the modular area. It, mm -hmm. it just blows my mind. Every, every time I see a new module, I'm like, oh my God, that's so innovative. That's mm -hmm. that's so cool. That's just, I just inspired straight away that I can't, yeah, I, I've got the bug. I don't think I can leave it. It's just now so much <laughs> part of my process mm -hmm. that it's just what I'm going to, what I'm going to do forever, really. Mm -hmm. um, I would love for a way to sync modular to a set of set of DJ decks, so you could kind of just have a case next to I don't know a Pioneer setup, CDJ setup, and somehow when you, you press play, yeah, I, I, I haven't come across anything that does that. Um, but I, I would love to to try and do it. I've beat matched before, so you know I know that the tempo of the track I'm playing is 130 BPM. I've got Pamela's new workout 100 B, 130 BPM. Mm -hmm. Hit play, get it in time, and then you know mess around. Yeah. Um, but nothing nothing too scientific yet. Are you familiar with uh, Kipsky? No, no. So he does, he uh, he interfaces, let's see, I'm going to look, make sure I'm getting that right, because um, I just learned about him, uh, from Daedalus, who also, he doesn't do any turntable stuff, but he kind of does turntable approaches to his oh, cool. modular. So yeah, you should check out Daedalus, and, and K, I think it's KY... Yeah, K-Y-P-S-K-I, uh, Kipsky. And it looks like I on his uh, Instagram, he's got some, like, a deck and a fader. He looks like he's got a module that has a fader on it and stuff. So Nice. Yeah, yeah check I'd, that out. I'd be curious to see, because, like, you already have all that experience, and now that you're, you know, over, t you know, get, coming up on two years in, in modular, you might, that might be, like, the full, like, what is it the, in Dragon Ball Z, like a Super Saiyan moment where your, your hair <laughs> yeah. turns white? And, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so much power. <laughs> it could be. Oh, God. I just went really nerdy here at the end. Um, <laughs> um, well, this, yeah, I think, uh, is there anything that we haven't covered yet? I'd like to give you the last word. Is there any part of your story we glossed over that you want to hit on or anything um, like that? No, I think we, I think we covered the story really. Uh, um, yeah, I think for the future, it's it's more more going down the live route and mm-hmm. um, yeah, more releases, more music to come. Okay. So do you have anything in the works right now that you can tell us about or is it all kind of too early? Stuff? Um I've got a, I'm working on an EP for a label called Good For You, who are okay. a label based in, in South London as well. Um, that, yeah, it's still in the early stages, but that, that should be coming out later this year. Okay. Um, I've started doing some some music for uh, a computer game, actually. Oh, that's not going to wow. come out until uh, 2022. Okay. But yeah, that, that's in the works. I can't, I can't say much more than that, unfortunately. That's awesome. Stuff, but, well, we'll have to yeah. have you back on when that comes out. and talk, I want to talk about that whole process. That, oh, I'd love to, yeah. Um, well, can, can you talk a little bit? Of, um, now you got me interested. Like, can you talk a little bit about how like, you go about make, like, making music for a game? Because I imagine like, just like spatially and stuff, it's got to be a little different, like the approach. Yeah, it's, um, it has been, has been different. But the way I'm approaching it is I'm still bringing my sound to it. Mm-hmm. So it's still, it's still um, beat-driven, groove-based. But I'm, I'm definitely trying to get my head into computer game world rather than dance floor dj world mm-hmm. um so yeah that's that's um that's been interesting yeah we should definitely talk talk at the end of that project yeah yeah I'll, i i want to because I, I love this idea i've heard of people doing this where like you basically like the song just kind of repeats if you're like say you're standing in a room in a video game and the song just kind of repeats mm. there if you're standing in this part of the room but as you walk over to this part of the room the music starts changing and stuff and that just seems yeah. like such a crazy way to write music and a really fun way to write music like or yeah, for VR or something um yeah well right on hey um have you are you familiar with the patch challenge that i do on the show no okay so it's totally optional and i can edit all this out if uh if you don't have time um but basically what i do at the end of an episode is give a random adjective and a random noun and then you build a patch based off of that and you do it in your own time. You don't have to do it right now and you can just send me the recording later and just play it. Like, so set a set a clock. I usually say 15 minutes um, and then build a patch from scratch inspired by those words and then send me the audio for me to plug into the episode later. I am so up for doing that. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get my patch challenge generator out really quick. Let's see here. Oh yeah. Let's get some, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do rhythmic because you you know you work you work in drums that's kind of oh, like, you're being like your that'd be that's like your specialty. Um, that doesn't make sense. Sometimes this this spits out stuff that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Ooh, this is kind of fun. Circadian pulsations. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Is okay. pulsations actually a word? For, for let's go with pulsations yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go with it <laughs> circadian pulsation right on well thank you so much for uh giving me some of your time today um it's been awesome Pleasure. to to get to know you and uh i definitely want to touch base again when this this video game thing happens uh i would love to have nice. you back on um yeah really yeah much, great much speaking to you yeah oh where can people love. check you out where do you where do you want people to go um the best place to to stay up to date with what i'm up to is on instagram um, so my Instagram handle is Yao, which is Y-A-W underscore on underscore Insta. All right, let's check out these circadian pulsations.
All right, that's our episode. Thank you so much, Yap, for coming on the show. Please check out his album on Mystery Circles. Great label, great album, great conversation. Thank you to Patchwork Seattle, Needham Woodworks, After Later Audio, and you for listening to the show. Uh, check out Warren Electronics. Amazing, amazing modules over there. Um, hit me up on the patreon.com forward slash podular modcast to help keep the LEDs blinking over here. Thank you for listening. Until next week.